ending a series today uh, that we've been in over the last couple of weeks called I Need a Win. And so you can turn with me to the book of um, Romans chapter 12. And if you um, don't have your Bible, you can go to your YouVersion Bible app and all of the notes will be right there for you, all of the scriptures. Some of the scriptures that we are going to look at today are going to be right there um, on the screen for you. Others are not. There's just some scripture I want to read over your life and speak over your life. Those are at your YouVersion Bible app. If you'll just hit the uh, menu button, go to live events uh, and, and type in North Park Church. It should populate right there. You can save those notes each and every week. You can send them to a friend. You can go back and look at those. Um, and, and, and even if you're not here, you can kind of follow along with us as you, as you watch online or you watch our podcast every single week. So, and, and I want to appreciate all those people who work really hard to give you all of those tools um, to grow deeper in your walk with Jesus. So special thanks to our team. Because those guys are incredible. Uh, last week, um, we looked at a verse of scripture, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 9. And, and here was what that verse said. It said, don't pretend to love others. Finish that with me. Really love them. We talked about not being fake. We talked about not being counterfeit, but being genuine in our, in our walk with Jesus and our love for other people. And so I really challenged you this week to not pretend to love other people, but demonstrate love in real, tangible ways. So let me just ask you a question. How many of you did that really well this week? You loved every person that you came in contact with. How many of you struggled a couple times? There was a couple people in your life, you know. I, I got a text from somebody, Glenn, who said, I'm struggling with this today, Pastor. I wouldn't call any names, but it was Glenn. And, and so we, we do all struggle with that from time to time. Some people are just easier to love than other people, and we're going to kind of continue in that thought today. But, but I want you to know that you have some great opportunities to love people right here at North Park Church. You know, we, our, our mission is to build lifelong followers of Jesus uh, we live every day to do that. And, and a few ways we do that is by connecting, uh, as we connect with God and we connect with each other. We do that in worship. We do that in fellowship. Uh, we grow in our walk with Jesus. That happens in our Bible studies. And right here as we dive into the word of God together, it happens predominantly in our life groups. And it's why it's really important for you to join a life group. But then every week when you walk in, you see this word serve. And that's really an opportunity for us to do what this word says, to not just pretend that we love people, but to really love them and, and to do that right here in the house. That serve is kind of loving the flock. The go is kind of loving the block, right? Loving the people of our city, loving the people you come in contact with. But I don't ever want you to miss out on opportunities to love others right here in this church. Our, our family is growing and we have a lot of babies and we have a lot of new faces. And, and every week there are new opportunities for people to serve. And, and when we do church growth stuff and we try to train pastors and other leaders, we always say this. We always say that people respond to vision, not need. And so instead of just getting up and saying, hey, we need people to do this and we need people to do that, we cast vision about that and help you to see why those things are so critically important. But sometimes if you don't know what the need is, you don't always respond to the things that are are, are available to you. And, and so I just want to remind you today that, that there are some opportunities for you to serve. I, I, I came by um, 
one of our staff members office this week and, and, and I heard them, I, I literally heard them say, we need more people to serve. And I just kind of stopped and I was like, whoa, 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 what? And, and, and they said, we, we've got some places for people to serve. And I said, I want you to write them down. I want to know what they are. And, and I said, I want to cast a little vision to our church family today. And this is what they said. We need four people to serve on guest services. We need three people to serve on our security team. We need three additional people on our van team. We need four people to serve in tech. We need three people to serve as service hosts each and every week. If you can wrap, that's a plus. And then we need um, 10 additional people in DKM Junior. Why? Because you people will not stop having babies. It's like rabbits around here. It's crazy. Uh, there was a new baby born this morning, Stuart and April Barham, that some church planners that we're helping to sponsor that are calling North Park home during this season. They had their baby today. They just keep coming. And so while while life is happening here, there are places for people to serve because there's always new babies and there's new faces. And those are opportunities for us to serve. And I know sometimes we can kind of look like we have it together and you may sit back and think, well, they don't need any help. There's always places for you to serve. And I told that staff member, I said, I want to walk by your office and I want our, our, our church to respond in such a way to needs that we have in our church and places to serve and truly not just pretend to love people, but really love them. I I want to walk by your office and hear you say, Pastor, we have a problem. We have so many people that want to serve. We can't get them all in a month here. We need to create more services. We need to create more campuses because we need places for these people to serve because they're beating down my door because they want to serve the body of Christ. I think we're most like Jesus when we serve. And so there's opportunities for you to do that. So you let us know. You can just click the serve button on our website. You can talk to Stephanie. You can talk to any ministry leaders here. We would love to help you live that out every single day. Not just to pretend that we love people, but really love them. And somewhere around Romans chapter 12, verse 14, the Apostle Paul switches his focus from loving those, as we might say, in the house to the way that we show love to people outside the house. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been hurt? And let's just say recently. I, I know we got history, right? The pain of our past doesn't dictate our future, right? Our, the pain of our past will never dictate our future. But there are things that happen in our past that paralyze us from moving forward in our future. But I'm not even talking about those things that happened to you five, ten years ago. I'm talking about like recently. Have you ever been hurt? Have you ever been mistreated? Have you ever been lied to? Have you been ganged up on? Have you been pushed aside? Have you been passed over? Let me just, let's just do a quick poll. Have you recently experienced the sting that comes when people hurt us? Just raise your hand. Some of us, okay. So I'm, I'm talking to people who, 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 are, who are living this out, right? So, so I want to talk to you as we finish out the book of Romans chapter 12 today, how to deal with that. And there's a spoiler alert, okay? Here's a spoiler alert. Everything that I'm going to share with you today goes against so much of what our culture believes and lives. Because our culture believes and lives very differently at times from what God's word teaches us. Here's an example, Romans chapter 12, verse 14, for those people who hurt you, those people who lie about you, those people who push you aside, those people who persecute you, the apostle Paul says this, he says, here's what I want you to do. If somebody persecutes you, if somebody hurts you, here is the Christian response. As followers of Jesus, we are lifelong followers of Jesus. Here is how we should respond to those people. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to bless those people who persecute us. Just let it sit for a second. Let it marinate. Stuff's good when it marinates, right? Just let it marinate for a second. Bless people who persecute you. 
don't curse them or curse at them or curse because of them, you know? Don't even use the little emoji with the little things on it, you know what I mean? Yesterday, I sent that emoji to my daughter, and, 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 it, and, it, and it followed this question. Do you have my Justin Bieber Christmas CD? And then that emoji, because that was a good place for it. Don't tell me you took my Justin Bieber Christmas CD to Cleveland, Tennessee with you, all right? It's November. It's time to listen to Christmas music, all right? And I can't find my Justin Bieber Christmas CD, all right? So don't curse it then. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray. Paul says, I want you to pray that God would bless them. And that's not usually the prayer we pray over people who've hurt us. Usually our prayer is, God, would you please rain down fire from heaven upon their life, right? Let boils come over their body. And, and that's kind of the prayer that we pray, right? Instead, he says, no, I want you to pray for that person who hurt you, who lied about you, who pushed you aside, who, who said that they would love you and they haven't, who said they would always be there and they weren't, that person who should have been there but chose not not to be, I want you to pray that God would bless them. And not only is that a radical concept for us today, that was a radical concept for Jesus to push when he stood on the Sermon on the Mountain, the book of Matthew, and, and, and basically said the exact same thing. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they're going to inherit the kingdom of God. Like those people who were willing to love others' people despite how somebody treated them. Like those are the people who are going to be blessed. And so Jesus pushes this radical concept, and the apostle Paul comes back and echoes it. And here we are in 2018 today. It's just as radical for us to hear today. It's one thing to be nice to somebody who, 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 who hurts you. It's, it's one thing to, to tolerate somebody who hurts you. It's something altogether different to pray that God would bless that person. Pastor R. Kent Hughes writes this. I love this. I want you, I want you to get the mental image of this, okay? He says, in, in Arab culture, they have a custom in which... I was going to bring somebody on stage. I'm not, not going to do it because it might get awkward. But they touch their head, and then they touch their lips, and then they touch their heart. And what they're saying from that is, I think highly of you, I speak well of you, and my heart beats for you. What a beautiful picture of what it means to demonstrate to somebody that you matter to God and you matter to me. To touch somebody on their head and say, I think highly of you. And to put your hands on their lips and say, I speak well of you. To touch their heart and say, my heart beats for you. I want you to find a stranger on the street today. And I want you to walk up to them. And I want you to touch them on the head. That would be weird and awkward. Don't do that. But if you could visually kind of do that, if you could mentally do that, if you could in your mind think in those terms when, when you want to shake somebody, you know what I'm talking about. You know, when you want to give them the right hand of fellowship, you know, when you, when you want to put them in their place, like just mentally just taking, stopping and stepping back and mentally just see yourself putting your hand on their forehead and saying, hey, I think highly of you. Uh, my lips speak the things of you that will bless you. I speak well of you and my heart my heart beats for you. What are you saying? I'm saying bless people who hurt you. In verse 15, he goes on and he says, be happy with those who are happy. 
and weep with those who weep. I, I think about, you know, when they ask Jesus, and we say this a lot, but it's so important. They ask Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, your soul, and your strength. What do he say? The second is like it. What's the second? Love your neighbor as yourself. That's exactly what he's saying. He's saying if somebody's happy, then be happy with them and, and weep with those who weep. Thursday was a weird day. Thursday was a weird day. Every Thursday morning, I get up at 5.30 and, and we leave the house at 6 o'clock because I almost live in Virginia. And then we drive to the school and at 6.30, I, I get an opportunity to stand with, with a group of high school basketball players and do devotion with them every single week. And then we high-five each other, and, and I go into their practice, and I'm encouraging them, and, and, and we're just having a good time, right? We're just, we're happy. It's exciting. It's the start of a new season, and we're talking about God's Word and how to be men of faith and how to be a team and set culture and all these things. So it was wonderful, right? We're happy with those who are happy. And not even two hours later, I had driven all the way to Kinson, and I'm standing beside Kayla Smith and her two sisters as they're literally laying over their father's lifeless body he went home to be with Jesus this week yesterday we had a celebration of life for Alan Potter Kayla's dad so two hours before happy with those who are happy two hours later weeping with those who weep you don't know what you're going to encounter in a day you may have somebody who walks in your office who's on cloud nine everything in their life is going well be happy with those who are happy and two hours later you may be weeping with somebody who's weeping Walk the journey with people. Don't pretend to love them. Really love them. Love your neighbor as yourself. Pastor Charles Swindoll writes this. He says, indifference, non-commitment, disengagement, not sharing or caring, meals eaten with hi-fi headsets turned up loud, even separate bedrooms, each with a personal telephone, TV, and turntable. This is an older writing, I suppose. Private toilet and and it's none of your business attitude. No hassle, no conflict, no accountability, no need to share, no need to reach out, no need to even give a rip. Just watch the numbers and look at nobody. See, that's the norm. That's society. That's what's becoming common. And unfortunately, that's what's becoming comfortable. I mean, you can walk... You can, you can walk through your day with, with, with your earbuds in, you know, all day. And it is the universal sign of don't speak to me. It is the universal sign. Of, I don't have time for you. It's the universal sign of I, I, I don't really care about what's going on in your life. Indifference, non-commitment, disengagement, not sharing, not caring. But if we intend on living out the mission of Jesus in our city to build lifelong followers of Jesus, to pastor a city, we better become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Pastor, I'm not comfortable talking to people that I don't really know. Then you don't do it enough. I don't feel comfortable loving on people with an undeniable grace and love of Jesus then you don't do it enough. We've got to become comfortable with being uncomfortable if we're going to live out this mission to be lifelong followers of Jesus and see what it means to pastor a city. Think about it. 
what does it look like when the rest of the world lives that way, right? Indifferent, non-commitment, disengagement, no sharing, no caring. What does it look like when the rest of the world does that, when that's the norm of society, but we show up weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice? What does it look like when everybody else treats your coworkers with indifference, non-commitment, disengagement, no sharing and caring mentality, but yet you show up to weep with those who weep and, 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 and be happy with those who are happy? What does that look like? What it looks like is the body of Christ being life in our city, and it looks like a church who is a light in a city of darkness. That's what it looks like. It's allowing your faith to be contagious. It's allowing somebody to see Jesus inside of you. And, and as Jim Fischetti reminded us, and when necessary, use words. Because you can share somebody the love of Jesus and never open your mouth. But you can't do it with an attitude of indifference, non-commitment, disengagement, no sharing and caring mentality. We've got to go the extra mile, right? In verse 16, Paul says this. He says, live in harmony with each other. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. I see a bunch of ordinary people sitting in this room. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And I want us to underline this next line if you were a Bible note taker. And don't think you know it all. There's nothing that frustrates me any more than I know it all. Anybody ever heard of Jeff Foxworthy? He made it famous years ago by helping people figure out if they were really from the South or not. Do you remember that? I picked on the North last week, so I'm going to pick on the South a little. Jeff Foxworthy says, for instance, you might be from the South if directions to your house include turn off the paved road. You might be from the South. You might be from the South if you prefer, this is my favorite, if you prefer a car key to a Q-tip. Come on, don't tell me your dad's never done that. That's a dad move right there. You might be from the South if you've ever stolen toilet paper from a public restroom. Might be from the South if you've ever gone to a family reunion to pick up women. See, there's a lot of ways to know if you're from the South. And when I read that verse 16, in that same thought process, I thought, you know, some of us struggle with verse 16 for one reason. We're jerks and we don't even realize it. Because when I look at verse 16, <laughs> that was good. Live in harmony with people and don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Like the first thing that came to my mind was like, that's a jerk. I mean, it really is. I mean, and, 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 and if we're jerks, I don't think we always realize we're jerks. So I want to help you out. I wrote, uh, you might be a jerk if, okay? So here's a few things. You, and they're not funny. They're serious, right? You might be a jerk if you make everything about you. If you always make it about you, then you, you might be a jerk. You might be a jerk if you would rather be served than actually serve other people. You might be a jerk if you rarely say thank you. You might be a jerk if you're demanding. You might be a jerk if you're quick to take the credit, but you never want the blame. You might be a jerk if you never have your team or your family's back. You might be a jerk if you have to make all of the decisions. 
you might be a jerk if you're quick to play the martyr card. Nobody works like you do. Nobody has to deal with the stuff you do. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Don't think you know it all. And these things, when I read that, I'm like, that's completely the opposite of Jesus. And Philippians 2, 3 through 5 tells us, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress other people. Instead, be humble. Don't be a jerk. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Not thinking of them as ordinary people, but thinking of other people as better than yourselves. And don't just look out for your own interests, but take an interest in other people too. And then here's verse 5, probably the most difficult verse of Scripture in the entire Bible. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So what does that look like in real life? I think it starts just in our city when we walk into a restaurant and sit down at a table. I don't think it has to be like these huge, major, like big things. It can be just the simple ways that we treat people who are in the hospitality industry that, that kind of live their life to serve other people. It's funny how anytime that I, I talk to someone who is, a, is, 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 is in hospitality in a restaurant, they're, they're a waitress, they're a waiter, they're a server, I can't tell you how many of them have said, hate working on Sunday afternoons. Don't like the church crowd. Because when the church crowd comes, they're more demanding than everybody else, and they rarely tip. Would rather serve other people than lifelong followers of Jesus. People who live their life to have the same attitude that Jesus had. Think about that for a second. I believe when we walk into a restaurant, we should be the most, we should be the most incredible customers in any place. In any environment, we, we, should, we should be the biggest tippers that they have on an entire shift. I believe that with all my heart. And there's something about when you go sit down at a restaurant and you're having a family time, you're having a family meal, and you've got somebody coming by, they're watching you. They're watching how you interact as a family. They're watching how you talk to one another, how you sit on your phone the whole time you're at your meal. Like they're watching all of that stuff happen. If you, if you don't, I mean, you're, you're, you're very mistaken. My, my favorite restaurant, I took our staff to it this week, is, is, is Borders in, in, in downtown Wake Forest. I love this place. And it's just, it's, just, it's just a good old, good cooking, right? And it, it's been around since the 70s. And it has a window, I'm sorry, for 70 years, has a window unit. It's a good restaurant if it has a window unit, okay? That's, that's how I determine if it's a good restaurant or not. It's a great restaurant. And my family goes there often, and there's this incredible lady there. Her name is Vicky, and, and she's just this sweet lady. And, and, and she wasn't even waiting with us one particular Saturday morning. She was serving other people in the restaurant, and, and it was really cool. We were, we, were, we were there as the last time that we ate together as a family before Blair went off to college. And so my grand, her grandparents were there, and we had given her some gifts, and we're just having a great time. And, and all of a sudden, instead of us leaving a tip for Vicky, Vicky stops by. She, again, not even our way. She she stops by and she said, is, is, is your daughter going off to college? And I said, she is. We're having a little party here this morning before she goes off. Grandparents are kind of seeing her off. And she said, well, look, she said, she said I, I don't have a ton to give her. She said, but I would like to bless her with this. And she put money in my daughter's hands. And she said, I want to make an investment in your daughter because there was a time when I would have wanted to do something like that. And I didn't have somebody who could make an investment in my life. So I want to take this opportunity to invest in your daughter. 
That's backwards, right? And, and every time we go into a restaurant, like we, we try our best to think, how can, how can we serve those who are here trying to serve us, you know? And, and, and there are people who will say, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't tip unless there's excellent service. I tip according to service. Here's, here's what I really believe. I believe that a good tip says more about the quality of your character than it does the quality of their service. Take an opportunity to love on somebody with an undeniable love of Jesus. We had a, a staff thing this, this past Friday night, and we just had a good time. It was chaos. And we had this one person, she was kind of serving all of us. She was the nicest lady. Her name was Michelle. And she's trying to serve us, and we're up moving around having church icebreakers. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got games going on, and she's trying to get orders, and we're moving around. Every time she came, somebody was a different, different seat. And you could just tell she was, she was stressed. You could tell. And, and after it was over, um, I, 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 I took a card, and everybody on the team, like, wrote her um, a nice thank you note. And we stuck the thank you note in with her tip. And, and we really blessed her. And, and when she opened it up, she just looked at me and, and, and tears welled up in her eyes. And she just said, I'm speechless. I don't know if I've ever been treated this way before. Leave a mark with kindness. We're followers of Jesus. Leave every environment better than you found it. People should know you've been there. I, I told our staff, and I'll pick on my son a little bit this morning. He's, 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 he's growing into this incredible young man, and he does a lot of great things. He, he's an amazing young man of God. I'm so proud of my son. And he, um, he likes to leave things around sometimes, you know. And so we always joke, we're like, we know where he's been because there's socks and that door's open and that drawer is open. Like, we can always kind of tell where he's been. We can kind of follow it. You know what I'm saying? You, you got teenagers. I did the same thing. Uh, in fact, my wife right now is thinking, what are you talking about? You do it now. Like, what are you talking about? We do that. But, but I can't get this idea out of my head that we can always know where he's been by the trail that he leaves behind him. You're leaving a trail behind you everywhere you go. And are people looking at things going, I know he's been here. I know she's been here because look at the hurt that they've left here. I know they've been here because look at the tears. These people are crying because they were rude and they, and they weren't kind. Or, or look at this particular environment. Look how indifferent it is. I can tell they've been here. Or could we look and say, oh, man, I know they were here because look at the smiles on this person's face. I know that they've been here because look how amazing this environment is. almost fell off the stage. Look how incredible this environment is because, because I can tell they leave things better than they find it. Look at this person over here having an incredible experience with Jesus. I can tell where they've been because I see what you've left behind as you go. Does that make sense? Have the same attitude that, that Jesus had. And when somebody does you wrong, here's a wise counsel from the Apostle Paul. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everybody can see you're honorable. Do all you can to live in peace with everybody. And dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. My kids would often fight when they were younger and they were small, and, and if I asked my daughter, why did you hit your brother? Her response would typically be, because he hit me first, right? He hit me first. 
And so what that's teaching us in the culture that we live is I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. I can respond in any way that I want. And, and I am completely justified in doing so as long as what? They did it to me first. That is the way that our culture lives. Worldviews, worldview teaches us. Common sense demands you get even. They hit you, hit them back. They spoke rude to you, speak rude back. They cut you off in traffic, you gun it, you tailgate them. When you can, you swing around them and you slow down, right? That is what, come on now, that is, that is what you do, you know? That is what you do. There's a better way. I figured out last week, some of you were list people. So for you list people, this is for you, two ways. There's a better way. Here are the two ways. Number one, and it's probably the point that shows up in more messages than, than, I've, than any other point that I preach. And, and here it is, trust God. How many times have we said that? How many sermons have I preached that that's the point? First point, we gotta trust God. We gotta trust God to do the work and the life of the one who did us wrong. And here's what you got to understand. His wrath may include ultimate judgment upon their life. It really may. But you know what? His wrath may also bring them to repentance. Which way is better? If we trust God and we leave this situation to him, which is the better outcome? That God rains fire down from heaven to them or he brings them to repentance? I'm thankful he brought you to repentance. Let them experience the same grace you've experienced. And then Paul gives us an alternate response. Verse 20, instead, instead of saying, I'll take revenge, instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame upon their head. What are we saying? Just respond in the right way. Respond in the right way. Now, what does that line mean? Heap burning coals of shame upon their head. What in the world does that mean? I, I don't have time to go into it, but in the Old Testament, there was this encounter between King David before he was king and King Saul. And King Saul was extremely insecure about David. He thought David was trying to take over his throne. And so he sent out a crusade, right? He, he went on a crusade. He went out himself to kill David and, and, and take him out. He's going to take the threat out. He was an insecure leader. Insecure leaders hurt other people. Insecure leaders hurt other people. And so David is hiding from King Saul in a cave. And King Saul comes in the cave take care of business. And while he's there, David is so close, he takes his sword and cuts off a little corner of his robe. King Saul goes out, doesn't even realize it's happened. Now, if there was ever a time that we would say somebody was justified in taking somebody's life, we'd probably say it was David. This guy was trying to kill him. He had a whole army after him and David had done nothing, nothing. And here's his chance. And if he was to have taken his life, he could have immediately been the next king. And here's the thing, God had already anointed him as the next king. He was just waiting his turn. 
He could have hit fast forward on the button and in that moment he could have become the king over Israel and everybody would have cheered and he would have been completely justified by a worldview in doing so. And he steps out and he shows the corner of the robe to King Saul and basically says, look, you meant to harm me. You meant to hurt me. I don't, I don't have any ill will toward you. This, this, this piece of fabric is living proof. I could have taken your life. I don't want to harm a hair on your head. Like I respect you. You are my king. What did that verse say? In doing the right thing, you will heap burning coals of shame upon somebody's head. Look, in, look, look, at, look at King Saul's response. When David finished speaking, Saul called back, is that really you, my son David? Wow, that changed really quickly. And then he began to cry. And he said to David, you are a better man than I am, for you have repaid me good for my evil. Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today, for when the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. Who else would let his enemy get away when he had him in this power? May the Lord reward you well for the kindness that you've shown me today. What is that? That's heaps of coal of shame upon somebody's head. You do the right thing. You let God take care of the rest. There's this comedian centuries, century ago, W.C. Fields. And toward the end of his life, he was reading the Bible and a surprised friend came by. And he said to him, what are you doing? Are you reading the Bible? And he said, yeah, I am. And he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm looking for loopholes. I'm looking for loopholes. <laughs> Don't look for loopholes. Don't open God's word and say, yeah, but. Yeah, okay, I know this is what God's word says, but. But look at what happened to me here. Paul ends this entire chapter by saying, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Stand with me today, please. Why is this important? Because God is positioning us as a church like never before to influence him in this city. And if we don't get these basic things and understand what it truly means to treat people the way that Jesus would treat them and see them the way that Jesus would see them and love them the way that Jesus would love them, we will never pastor our city. We will never see lifelong followers of Jesus come to him. We just pray that God would help it to start 